This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Pope Francis delivered a long-awaited apology in Canada for decades of abuse at Catholic-run residential schools. The schools separated some 150,000 Indigenous children from their families and intended to forcibly assimilate them into Christian society. Thousands of children died. Physical and sexual abuse were common. The Pope has called his visit to Canada a, quote, pilgrimage of penance. Russia's Gazprom announced it would further cut gas flows through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to Europe via Germany. Daily gas deliveries will drop to 20% of the pipeline's capacity from the current 40%. Gazprom said the pipeline, which was shut recently for repairs, still needed more work. But Germany's economic ministry insisted there was, quote, no technical reason for the reduction. Russia insisted a missile strike that damaged infrastructure at the port of Odessa on Saturday was intended to hit military targets, not to halt grain exports from Ukraine. The two countries struck agreements last week that would allow exports to resume, helping to alleviate the global food shortage. In a statement, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said Ukraine would, quote, do everything necessary to open shipping lanes despite the damage to seaports. The Oak Fire near Yosemite National Park was, quote, 10% contained on Monday, according to California's fire department, despite thousands of firefighters being deployed to tackle it. The state's governor, Gavin Newsom, declared a state of emergency in the area. The wildfire ignited on Friday and has so far set over 16,700 acres, 6,758 hectares, of land ablaze. Ground workers for Lufthansa, the German airline, decided to strike for one day on Wednesday in pursuit of a 9.5% pay rise. The industry's union said the walkout of 20,000 employees would lead to delays and cancelled flights, which have plagued the industry this summer. Heathrow recently cut the number of flights through September to cope with holiday demand and labour shortages. David Trimble, an Ulster Unionist leader and architect of the Good Friday Agreement in 1998, has died aged 77. Trimble and John Hume, his nationalist counterpart in the Social Democratic and Labour Party, were awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for their efforts to end the conflict in Northern Ireland. After the agreement was signed, Trimble was elected to be Northern Ireland's inaugural First Minister. Britain confirmed it would host the 2023 Eurovision Song Contest instead of this year's winner, Ukraine. Interested host cities include Manchester and Glasgow. Last month, the European Broadcasting Union announced that Ukraine would not host Eurovision next year due to the ongoing war. Eurovision, quote, will not be in Ukraine but in support of Ukraine, a Ukrainian spokesperson said. And fact of the day, 56. The number of poor countries where the quality of women's education has declined since the 1960s.
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Indonesia's Surprisingly Energetic Diplomacy For Xi Jinping, China's president, a meeting with Joko Widodo on Tuesday marks something of a return to face-to-face -face diplomacy after his self-enforced isolation during the pandemic. He did hold a few meetings during Beijing's Winter Olympics in February. But for Jokowi, as Indonesia's president is known, it is the latest in a recent flurry of visits. Jokowi's diplomacy has an important economic dimension. He has pleaded with Vladimir Putin to unblock exports of Ukrainian wheat, which Indonesia needs for instant noodles. In Beijing, he will lobby for a high-speed rail project. An investment will be top of the agenda when he heads to Japan and South Korea afterwards. Yet Jokowi's diplomatic skills will be especially tested by Indonesia's hosting of a summit of G20 leaders in November. Russia is a G20 member, but the West has threatened to boycott the event if Mr. Putin shows up. So Jokowi has invited Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, to join too, hoping that might soothe the West. A Darkening Outlook for the Global Economy an updated forecast for the global economy due to be released by the IMF on Tuesday will make for grim reading. The outlook has worsened steadily over the year, spoiled by Russia's war in Ukraine, economic weakness in China, and central banks' struggle to choke off inflation. The IMF last published its World Economic Outlook in April. Back then, it revised down its forecast for world GDP growth in 2022 by nearly a full percentage point to a so-so rate of 3.6%. But actual growth will almost certainly come in well below that forecast. Indeed, the updated projections may show that the world economy is on track for its third worst performance of the millennium after the COVID-19 shock of 2020 and the financial crisis of 2009 and there is plenty of time for the situation to worsen further. Keeping Europe Warm This Winter An emergency meeting of EU energy ministers on Tuesday risks being unusually frosty. On the agenda is a plan for how the EU should cut gas demand so it can weather the winter should Russia halt gas supplies. Such fears were only deepened on Monday when Russia announced that it would further reduce the flow of gas to Europe through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to 20% of capacity. On July 20th, the European Commission proposed that member states should cut consumption by 15%, compared with the average for the past five years, from August 1st until the end of March. But some countries refused to comply. Spain and Portugal wonder why they should be punished for the energy policies of countries, especially Germany, that have made themselves ever more dependent on Russian gas. The likely outcome is a deal that keeps an EU-wide target but makes exemptions for some. Cozy relations must be maintained, for if negotiations fall apart, the only winner would be Vladimir Putin. A collapse of European solidarity is exactly what he wants. Another false start in Stormont On Tuesday, members of Northern Ireland's devolved assembly will try, for the third time since May, to form a government. They will almost certainly fail. 
In February, the pro-British Democratic Unionist Party brought down the administration in protest at the Northern Ireland Protocol, a contentious part of the Brexit withdrawal agreement that establishes a trading border between Great Britain and Northern Ireland to avoid hardening the land border on the island of Ireland. The DUP went on to lose an election in May to Sinn Féin, its nationalist rival, but since then the DUP has repeatedly vetoed the formation of a new government. Can anything unblock the political logjam? The DUP hopes that in September, Liz Truss will win the Conservative Party leadership and stick to a Tory promise to ditch most of the protocol. Her rival, Rishi Sunak, backs that stance in public, but is reported to fear a trade war with the EU. But either way, months of stasis loom, and if no government is formed by late October, fresh elections must be held in January. To the Moon and Back In 1969, Buzz Aldrin became the second Earthling to walk on the moon, stepping onto the lunar surface 19 minutes after his fellow American Neil Armstrong. On Tuesday, a sale at Sotheby's in New York will auction memorabilia collected by Mr. Aldrin from the mission. A jacket he wore on Apollo 11 has a guide price of $1 million to $2 million. So too does a broken circuit breaker switch which nearly imperiled the mission, offered with the pen that Mr. Aldrin used to fix it. The sale is timely. A new moon rush is underway as countries compete to explore Earth's closest neighbor. China and Russia are building a joint moon base. America's Artemis program aims to land on the far side of the moon, the first American mission to do so, by 2025. To take more astronauts to the moon, NASA is planning to use a rocket developed by Elon Musk's SpaceX, a company that wants to take billionaire tourists on off-world adventures. The astronomical costs of such trips make the items on offer in Mr. Aldrin's sale look reasonable. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. What do vexillologists study? Tuesday. Who was nominated as Best Supporting Actress for her role in the film Goodwill Hunting? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ava Perón, who died on this day in 1952. Where there is a worker, there lies a nation. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.